Good morning, and welcome to another episode of That Which Does Not Kill Us. I am your host, Sarah Arnold, and I just want to say that I'm recording this at a disgusting fucking hour. It is 6.23, and for whatever reason, I have been up for, like, a fucking hour already. I've been mulling over a lot of different things in my head before I decided that, uh, I'm not falling back asleep, so I may as well just suck it up, get up, and, you know, do something with these thoughts, right? And so, here goes. Um, I'm having this glaring awareness that I think, um, there is an underlying function to me being where I am right now. And I say that because one of the biggest things that I'm starting to realize is how familial patterns will show up in your life and how familial patterns and all of these habits and things that are established and developed within the family structure will impact the relationships that you develop and build with other people. And so this is where I'm at as I'm thinking about this. And I say this because of some of the things that I've already encountered within my brief time frame in my current location. Okay? So, I may or may not have talked about some of them before in realizing... Oh, excuse me. In realizing, you know, the unaddressed wound patterns or feelings or whatever you want to call them that I have with my parents that I've been clearly just sweeping under the rug and completely fucking ignoring by (laughs) reducing interactions to a minimum and the thing that I'm seeing here right is that that's not doing anything for me like not addressing them is not doing anything for me and so this is where we're at right now is delving into these things and seeing them for what it is now yesterday I had an interesting conversation with my father okay and I'll backtrack and say one of the most triggering things that I've been experiencing in the advent of this move is the amount of attention that my father has been paying towards me. And this is triggering because at the end of the day, like, let's be real. I'm the youngest of four kids of basically absentee parents, right? That's my reality. You know? Because my dad was military. So, there was a lot of time that he wasn't there. And even when he was there, it seemed as though there wasn't a lot of primary focus given into the family, right? And if I were being completely honest, that same overall theme seems to be very prevalent with my mother as well is that even 
when she was there, she wasn't emotionally available. Because instead of being emotionally available, she was very... Oh, what's the word I'm looking for? Scattered, I would say. I think that's fitting in terms of her emotions. She's very scattered. And the thing that I've noticed when it comes to my... This is... Okay, let me backtrack and say... Interesting familial dichotomy goes a little something like this, right? In my mind... And this, again, this is my opinion based on my observations and my analysis of the family. My mom and my dad are essentially two sides of the same coin. It's... One of them is the outward expression, one of them is the inward expression, and it's just how you see the dichotomy of it, right? It's really interesting to think about. It really is. So, <clears throat> my dad... Let me actually let me backtrack one step further and say, here's the thing about my parents, right? Both of them are extremely uh, self-centered and oblivious individuals in terms of their relationships with others, or at least maybe it's not all others. Maybe it's just within the family structure. I'm not really sure because clearly I'm not outside of the family structure so that I only get my own perception and my view, right? So my father is a very oblivious, self-centered individual, but the way that he expresses this is by having a bunch of funny stories and always wanting to be the life of the party and wanting to be the center of attention in that way, right? And so that's dad. And now you flip the coin and you look at mom. Now, mom is the... I call it the perpetual Eeyore. I don't have better words right now. And so there's a lot of the woe is me, you know, holding on to any and every slight that has ever come her way. And either way, when it comes to both of them, any kind of conversation you carry at the end of the day, at least this is my own perception based on my experiences. Now, this may not be 100% the same for any other individuals interacting with them to include like my siblings, right? So for me, I've noticed there's a very distinctive theme anytime I'm having a conversation and it's not 100% of the time, but it is the vast majority, okay? When I'm carrying on conversations with either my mom or my dad, it doesn't matter. It's the exact same for both of them. They dominate the conversation. Like at least 95% of the time. They don't they dominate the conversation. Right? And so this is where my patterns start. Okay. I can't get a word in at least half the time you know, if not more, w without the exception to like, oh, you know what I mean? Like the, uh-huh, yeah, oh, release. Periodically, I'll get something in, 
but most of the conversation they they are dominating in terms of who's spewing whatever and then at the same time they are also dominating them in terms of what is the topic of the conversation you know the topic of the conversation is always mom's experiences the topic of the conversation is always dad's experiences and so what I'm seeing right now in a really big way is that this is the foundation for my life like 100% this is the foundation for feeling like I don't matter because intended or not this is the message that is received and this is something that I feel a lot of people really need to understand when it comes to the relationships that they have outside of themselves it's a really important takeaway that perception is reality and the message intended is not always the message received there is always some kind of a subconscious or an unspoken message that is being received within the context of those words and having the mindfulness to be aware of that aspect of your interaction I think for a lot of people would be a game changer and I guess what I would say on that topic is it's taken a culmination of all of these various life experiences that have not been easy for me to get to this point right now and so this is what I'm thinking on is my roots and why I've established what I have because the other thing that I have noticed oh for fuck's sake pardon the interruption folks there's an airplane flying overhead because my timing is not spectacular this morning Okay, I'm going to try and talk loud enough to hear over this intrusion. Wish me luck. Okay, so let's get back to it. So my biggest takeaway for myself is that there's a commonality in a lot of the relationships that I have cultivated with people as an adult and I've been doing a lot of settling and allowing these patterns to continue and obviously I've allowed them to continue because this is what is normal to me right but the thing that is staring me in the face right now is that just because it's normal doesn't mean it's healthy and it doesn't mean it's something that can be sustained over the long term and so this is my current mind space right anyhow I had a really interesting conversation with my dad yesterday because backtrack into you know the things that are triggering me in my current state and obviously my dad you know suddenly knowing that I exist 
is one of these things that's really like got me on a hook, right? And I don't know what to do with that. And at the same time, something that's paired in with that is an observation that I've made in terms of the members of the opposite sex that I find myself most attracted to. In outside of the obvious of aesthetics, because duh, we'll just not get to that base level. There's a commonality that I've noticed in values in the men that I'm attracted to. And that commonality is how seriously they take on the role of being a parent to their children. Now, thank you, Captain Obvious. This is an important value to me because I, I feel like the perpetually neglected child, right? And so to me, it's a really big deal. And it's, I don't know, it's, it's alluring. There we go. That's what we would say. It's alluring to see a man that wants to be involved in his children's lives. You know, that wants to invest in his children and things to that effect. Because, well, that's exactly what I feel I didn't have growing up. And so, therefore, that's something that, you know, laws of opposition or whatever. I don't know. Like, it's something that I value. Okay? So, it's enticing to come across someone whose values match my own. Now, granted, I don't have children. But what I am trying to do is make sure that I am still investing in the relationships that I have with, I guess I would call it, like, my work kids is what I call them, for lack of a better term. You know? Because I don't have real children. I just have a bunch of little ruffian assholes that are young enough to be my children if I have some that I have invested in both professionally and personally. And so the best that I can do is to maintain those and obviously the relationships with my family too, you know? But either way, the evidence points to me that this is where the stems from, right? And if if that's a quality that I see as being that important in a partner, then maybe what the appropriate thing to do for me within the parameters of my own situation is rather than getting flustered and irritated because I feel like whatever attention I'm receiving from my father is 30 years too late. Maybe I should take the time and develop a better relationship with my father. You know? Will it work? I couldn't tell you. But what I will say is that... I feel like I had a deeper conversation with my father yesterday than what I have in a very long time previous. And I think part of it stems from the conversation topic 
and at the same time, the fact that I was curious. So, and what I mean by that is I asked, what happened between you and mom? You know, like I, I'm curious because obviously for the last however the fuck many years, I have been hearing my mom's side of it. And that's the only side that I've been hearing. And the reality of the situation is when it comes to any kind of human relations, there are two parties involved, you know, when it comes to any form of relationship, be it friendship, romantic, familial, whatever, it takes two people to make it and it takes two people to break it. You know, both parties have to invest for something to be successful. And the place that people are doing that from is not always the place where it should be from and able to determine the success or failure. Just just because you want something to succeed doesn't mean that it magically will, you know? And when it comes to the relationships that we have with others, if you want them to succeed, at the end of the day, you have to be aware of what you're putting in and you also have to be aware of what you're taking out. This is my takeaway right now. This is what I'm taking away from a 30-minute conversation, right? On end life, obviously. But, and I think neither one of them, if I had to give a synopsis, I think neither one of them had any kind of a concept of what they were putting in and what they were taking out. Because, let's be real, my parents were like 20 when they got married. I don't know how long they dated before they got married. And... The first time I got married, I was 21, right? I could have been more mature before making that kind of a decision. I mean, to be fair, I was more mature when I made it the second time. And did I make the best choice? No. But what I realized is 100% of that wasn't the choice. There was, you know, obviously the choice. Did I know what I wanted? Did I know my partner? What did I invest? What did I take? You know, all of these questions are very, very pertinent to the end result. And it almost sounds like what I'm talking about is very calculated. But the more I'm thinking about this, emphasis on thinking, the more I'm realizing that you almost have to do some kind of calculating when it comes to these types of interactions. You know, I don't think there's anything wrong with having feelings and uh, being able to maintain an open heart and all that stuff. But at the end of the day, I think that it is just as important to have an open mind and to have the awareness of your own behaviors, your family structure, all of these patterns, because that's all it is. Realistically, that's all it is. You're the, and the further I go, 
and I don't even know if I would say from where, because I don't fucking know from where. The further I'm going to where I'm going, the more that I'm seeing these patterns and subliminal messages and things to that effect that are like glaringly obvious once I step back just far enough to see it objectively rather than be the participant that has all the feelings that's involved. And so what I'm noticing is the patterns that I've established and the things that I've allowed and my own contributions towards either unhealthy or unsatisfactory relationships that I have cultivated within my own life. And that's what's staring me in the face right now. Is a really long ass story that can fall under the umbrella term of how did I get here? So what I'm trying to take from all this obviously having finding those answers I'm not going to say I've found those answers I'm finding those answers right now right the answers to those questions and in doing so what I am working my way towards is removing a plethora of these defense mechanisms and these coping strategies that have helped me to develop these unhealthy patterns and these unsatisfactory relationships where I feel as though my needs are not being met. And so that's what I'm sitting in right now is everything that's attached to that. And at the same time, the thing that I'm taking away right now, and this is going to be a challenge, let's be real, is something that my therapist said during my second session. And she made the astute observation that I have a strong tendency to intellectualize my feelings rather than feeling them. And what I'm noticing now as I'm working through these things is, first of all, she's 100% correct. It's something that I've been kind of aware of-ish. Like... For lack of a better way of putting it, I would say the ability to turn it off sometimes, you know, and get into it's almost like the mind state of a conscientious observer, not the person that's involved, and that for whatever reason. And I don't even know how. That's the one that really fascinates me. 
is the how is how did I get here to this point how did this become a coping mechanism and then how do I turn that off that's going to be the real challenge for me I think is finding a way to turn off that analytical aspect and just to allow myself the full range of emotions but there are other things that I'm concentrating on first like developing you know better communication skills more empathy towards others boundaries and things to that effect so while I'm doing that I'm going to take on the advantage of being the intellectualized person because that's worked so far in terms of keeping me safe. I'm still above ground, so yay me, right? And so that's all I have for right now. In the meantime, everybody, have a great day and be well.